Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. In my flesh, I'll see God. In my resurrected body, that new body, completely different in any makeup and yet similar in so many aspects. He knows he'll be able to stand in the presence of Almighty God. Death was simply that passing from one stage to another, as I said, from one realm to another, from one room to another. It's as Paul says here, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound The dead will be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. As a Christian, you can have a hope that lasts through any trial you face on this earth. Those who don't believe in God have nothing to look forward to beyond this temporary life. However, Pastor David encourages you to focus on the incredible hope you have because of Jesus' resurrection. Just as Jesus was raised to a new life, you also have a perfect life waiting for you one day in heaven. When we are with God, this corruptible life will be gone. And we will be just as God has planned. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, The Benefits of the Resurrection. reality and the truth of where Christ came from and how Adam was created by God. Adam, the first man, formed out of the dust of the ground. Christ, the second Adam, comes as the one from heaven. So now, after Paul nails that down, he continues on here in verse 48. And he says, as was the man of dust, okay, who's the man of dust, church? You can answer me. Adam, the first Adam so also are those who are made of dust. Who are those who are made of dust, church? We be that, okay, okay? That's us. And as is the heavenly man, who is he speaking about? Jesus Christ. So also are those who are heavenly. Who's he speaking about then? Us in the resurrection. Then we're gonna be heavenly. I know most of you right now, you're not very heavenly, okay? But we're all gonna be there one of these days. We're all gonna be there. It's all going to come. Paul continues on. He says, those who are heavenly. And verse 49, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so so we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Even Solomon himself tells us in Ecclesiastes 3.20, he says, all go to one place. All are from the dust and all return to the dust. You ever hear it? Dust to dust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's where it comes from. But praise God, we don't stay as dust and we don't remain in 
the dust. I'll just tell you right now, this coming Saturday is the one year from the passing of my mom. Uh, we cremated her. Her ashes are in Louisiana someplace. But you know what? God's going to raise her. She's going to have a whole new body. She's not going to have the aches and pains and things that she was going through at that time. She's going to have a new and heavenly body. Every one of us, unless we're around when the Lord comes at that point in time, every one of us at one point in time, we're either going to be cremated or we're going to be put in the ground. And you know what? After a while, you don't want that old body back. Absolutely not. Because it just rots away. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. At the resurrection, we'll rise. We'll bear the image of the heavenly man. What does that mean? The very image of Christ. No, we're not going to become Christ's. We're not going to become some other God. No, we are going to be resurrected in who we are. And as the word of God tells us, he's going to place within us that change, that change that we're going to be, again, there's going to be similar aspects, but we're going to be totally different. Someone asks all the time, he says, well, I know my, my friends when I get to heaven. I, if you know me, you know my responses. Well, if you have any friends that make it, you might. Okay, but will we know our loved ones when we get to heaven? Yeah, we will. Why? Because they'll look like each. No, just simply because we'll know all things when we're there. The, the disciples who had spent three and a half years with the Lord, they didn't recognize His resurrected body. Mary, as much as she loved the Lord and saw him there at the tomb, she thought he was the gardener. And some people say, well, it's just because she was overcome with grief. No, I believe because of the change that was there. Will we know our loved ones? Yeah, but they're going to look different. They're going to look different, and they're going to be totally different. It's going to be a resurrected body. It's not just a glorious fact that we don't have to stay the same. It's a spiritual reality. We will be changed. We have to be changed. It's not that it's just, hey, man, that's great. I don't have to worry about, man, my arthritis anymore. I don't have to worry about my aches and my pains and all these kinds of my weaknesses of the flesh. No, that's not it. The fact is, is you have to be changed. You have to be changed in order to enter on into glory. What does Paul says right here in verse 50? He says, now this I say, brethren, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. I can't just, you know, finally get myself to where I'm good enough. No, you got to be changed totally. There's going to be that complete and total change. Look what he says here. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall be changed. I know. That's the declaration or the sign that's on every nursery door in all of Christendom, okay? We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, okay? But let's move on. It's an old joke, okay? Paul says we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised. But how are they going to be raised, church? What does it say there? We're going to be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. These are familiar words. They're they're familiar to what Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. 
In in First Thessalonians uh, chapter four, he speaks very. He's speaking on a, the a similar subject of the resurrection, the coming of Christ, the encouragement to the Christian believers of the time about the future that awaits us all. And in First Corinthians chapter four, beginning in verse sixteen. Paul reaffirms that on that day, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. What does he mean by dead in Christ? Those who have passed away. My mom is one of them. Some of your loved ones, other ones. They, 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 they were believers and they're gone. They're going to rise first. And then what does he say? And then we who are still alive, you know what that means? That the Lord's going to come back in a day that some of us are still alive. I don't know about you, but as I look at this world, and we were talking about this earlier, as I look at this world right now, I, I, I keep thinking I hear somebody warming up on that trumpet, you know, just ready to, ready to make that final blast. The world's getting stranger and stranger. The world is getting progressively more wicked. You you cannot deny that. You cannot look at the events that are going on, not only in the Middle East, but even in our own country. As we continue to put hundreds of thousands, even to the point now of millions of babies to death before they even get a chance to breathe, take their first breath. Because, again, it's my choice. No, it's not your choice. You had a choice earlier on. You had a choice several months ago. You chose wrong. And now you're going to murder this child. And people say, well, what about rape? What about incest? What about all these things? There is still a life that is not responsible for any of that. There is a life there that, again, God is allowed to be created. It's an honorable thing to allow that child to have life, even if you adopt them out. But to murder that child not only is dishonorable, but I believe that God is going to hold our country responsible for that. And I believe that we are reaping part of that even now in our country. And there's a multitude of other things that I could speak uh, for quite a while of just the, the wickedness that's actually moving through our nation. You, you've seen the changes in, in what our nation allows, what our nation is calling normal, that you and I cannot have a business unless we, again, kowtow to and, and, and serve any and every perversion that, that comes our way. Because again, that would be hate speech. That would be a hate activity. Rather than, again, being able to stand for the morals and the understanding that we have of the word of God. Our nation is changing. Our nation is changing at, a, at, a, at a, an ever-increasing pace. And if you don't understand that, if you don't see that, you need to open your eyes to really look and see. We might say, no, we're getting more progressive in our nation. No, beloved, we are degraded. I don't believe in evolution, but I do believe in de-evolution. I believe that that's where we're going. We're becoming more like animals rather than, again, becoming that that God created. The dead are raised incorruptible. We who are still alive and remain will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Even as that trumpet blast calls the dead to rise. All at the same time, I believe that the dead will rise with that immortality and that incorruption. And we who are still alive in the flesh, boom, we're going to be suddenly changed. 
suddenly and dramatically changed. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53, Paul writes to us, he says there in verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, for the Christian, death has a whole new meaning. A whole new meaning. Again, going back to Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he says, there is a time for sorrow. There's a time for crying. When my, when my mother passed away, man, we sorrowed, we wept at the fact that, man, she's no longer there, no longer on Sunday afternoons can we go over there and have dinner with her. No longer can we stop by and visit her. Uh, there, she's just not there for us anymore. When you lose a loved one, there is sorrow in the midst of that. But beloved, we don't sorrow like, that, like those who have no hope. We sorrow in the fact that, hey, for a moment, for a time, they're gone. But for the Christian, we need to understand that death is not the same for us. Paul tells us here, death is swallowed up in victory. And that's the idea, this idea of swallowing up. It's, it's the definition of it actually is to, to drink down, to swallow down, a, a means to absorb it, to overwhelm it, to drown it, to destroy it, to remove it. The impact of death for you and I as believers is totally different. The victory of Christ on the cross swallowed up the impact of death for the believers. As Albert Barnes, a Bible commentator says, he says, the power and the dominion of death shall be entirely destroyed. They are brought to an end. The power and the dominion of death. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? We're still gonna die. Yeah, we are gonna die. Should the Lord tarry you know, a few more years, some of you won't be here. A few more years, I won't, well, maybe tomorrow. You, know? uh, you get hit by that truck, right, Bruce? I mean, we, none of us know the number of our days. But you know what? If I die this week, sorrow that I'm gone. But rejoice, man, I'm, I'm in the heavenlies. I'm with the Lord. And one day, we'll be together. And I won't have to preach to you then. Because you'll know just as you're known. You'll know as, as much as I will. You know, it's different. It's different for you and I as a believer. And if you haven't caught that yet, if, if that hasn't really sunk in, you need to understand, again, the fullness of the promise of God through his word. The writer of Hebrews gives us the same hope, this freedom from the bondage of death. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. He writes, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, in other words, we are are human, he himself, Christ himself, he likewise shared in the same. He became flesh and blood in order that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, there's within us that, 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 that fear of death. You know, we, we have that self-preservation thing in there. But yet, you know, when, when Christ comes into our life, there needs to be an overwhelming understanding that even in, the, even in the process of death, 
I move simply from this realm into the next. I move from this room into the next room. And as Paul says, man, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We need to see that this isn't simply a a New Testament promise either. This is the word of the Lord for all generations. Back in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 25, verses 8 and 9, Isaiah declares that he, speaking of God, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Sounds like Revelation, doesn't it? The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken and it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We've waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. That's the anticipation that, look, our days here are numbered and we're waiting for the Lord to bring about that change. Either bring us to himself or come and get us. One of the two. We live with that anticipation. We don't live with the anticipation that, man, I want to die right now in order to be with the Lord. No, the Lord determines the number of days for each one of us. And that's not for you or I. Again, this whole idea of euthanasia that's, again, trying to sweep our land, another evil that's coming into this place. And again, God determines the number of our days. We give that to him. We hear the same kind of a hope that's given in Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. In Hosea, the Lord speaking says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. And believed to be the oldest book in our entire Bible, the book of Job, Job declares this anticipation that he has that this change is going to take place. In Job chapter 19, verse 25 through 27, Job declares this. He says, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I will see God. Amen. What a glorious statement that is. After this, after this flesh is gone, that's okay, because I know that in my flesh I'm going to see God. Wait a minute, Job, you said your flesh is going to be destroyed. Job understood what the resurrection power is all about, that he's going to have a body of some sort. It's going to be different. It's going to be similar in aspect, but it's going to be different. In my flesh I shall see God. But he goes on from there. Whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. How my heart yearns within me. How my heart yearns within me. Some people hold on so strongly to the things of this earth that death not only is a fear, but death is something they want to avoid at all costs. And that's why, man, we, we, we extend lives and we extend lives and we extend lives. I, I appreciate what my mom said, you know. He said, just give me the, the do not resuscitate thing. And when the time comes, the time comes. I think that we, again, that's another hobby horse I could go off in. But I hear in Job's words a great excitement. This man, he had gone, if you understand, Job had gone through such agony. Remember, all of his children, gone. All of his finances, wiped out. And even his wife, you know, the the great supportive wife he had. Why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die, Job? All of that going on with him. 
And yet Job still had this anticipation, this encouragement. He understood that there awaited him and all those who live their lives through faith have this great hope and nothing in this world could ever offer anything like it. After my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I'll see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. After my skin is destroyed, this corruptible, it's going to be done away with. In my flesh I'll see God. In my resurrected body, that new body, completely different in any makeup and yet similar in so many aspects. He knows he'll be able to stand in the presence of Almighty God. Death was simply that passing from one stage to another, as I said, from one realm to another, from one room to another. It's as Paul says here, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed. Have you guys figured out yet? You don't plant eggs to get chickens. This old carcass we're carrying around, it's going to be done away with. This isn't what's going to be raised. It's going to be a new body. It's going to be a new body raised incorruptible. This flesh is either going to die and be raised in incorruption, or when that trumpet sounds and I'm still here, it's going to be raised and in that twinkling, it's going to be changed. I believe that there should be no fear in the anticipation of either one. When you and I come to an understanding of the power of the resurrection that lies ahead of us, there's no longer any fear of death. When we understand that our sin is forgiven by the grace of God through faith in that completed work of Christ on the cross on our behalf, we no longer should have any fear of hell. Hell can't touch this. Not at all. Not anymore. Charles Wesley was the youngest child of 18 children of Susanna Wesley. He understood the significance of this passage when he wrote some very familiar words. We often sing this song during the Easter season, but you know what? The words are powerful enough to sing throughout the year. I'm going to skip to the second verse, and I want to read these words to you, and I just want you to ponder what Charles Wesley writes here. Love's redeeming work is done. Fought the fight, the battle is won. Death in vain forbids him rise. Christ has opened paradise. O lives again our glorious king. Where, O death, is now thy sting? Once he died our souls to save. Where's thy victory and boasting grave? Soar we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head, made like him and like him will rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Hail the Lord of earth and heaven. Praise to thee by both be given. Thee we greet triumphant now. Hail the resurrection, thou. O king of glory and soul of bliss, everlasting life is this thee to know thy power to prove, thus to sing, and thus to love. The book of 1 Corinthians is probably best known for its passage on love in chapter 13. 
You've probably heard these verses spoken at weddings, but these words on the character of love can also be applied to our relationship with God. God loved us so much that He gave His Son to stand in our place of judgment. Jesus came to this earth to live a perfect life and then took every sin of every human being upon Himself, dying so that we didn't have to. That incredible love is available to you right now. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please call us at 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Hey, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We are so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 1 Corinthians right here on The Open Word.